you want, you can turn in your Bible to Psalm 130. I'm going to read this. It's where I left off last week, and uh, I want to read it again to you by way of reminder. And just, uh, again, um, encourage you from God's Word in Psalm 130. David is writing. David is in a place where he has um, been broken because of circumstances in his life that, honestly, he created as a result of choices that he made. Um, He chose to sin against God. He chose to go his own direction. And because he chose to go his own direction, uh, some really difficult things happen. And uh, he has been going through some really trying and difficult times. But he is coming to a place where he's crying out to God, and he's waiting on God, and he remembers some some really amazing truths about God that uh, I know are also true for us in our lives. So Psalm 130, verse 1, it says, Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice for pleas of mercy. Have you been there? Maybe you're there in this moment. Maybe you're, you're living that in this moment. You're crying out to God. You've been crying out to God over and over and over again in your life, especially in recent days, or maybe it's been months or years. I, I don't know, but you've been crying out to God and asking God to listen and asking God to hear and, and pour out mercy on you, pour out mercy maybe on somebody else in your life, and you've been continually praying and just saying, God, hear my voice. I'm crying out to you. Lord, give me mercy. Let me sense your presence. Let me see you at work. Listen to verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities. In other words, if you, O Lord, kept record of our sin. If you were to do that, who could stand? Who could stand? But then he goes on and he says, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can serve you. What a beautiful thing to realize that even though, yes, we fall short, we sin, we, we disobey God, and we don't do what he wants us to do, that he still loves us enough to make a way possible for us to have forgiveness of our sin, freedom from it, where, where he, he says, I will remove it for, as far as the east is from the west. I will remember it no more. I will not hold it against you any longer. And he forgives us. And, and, it's, and it's as if we've never sinned. That's, that's what God does in our lives through his son, Jesus Christ, because we, we are willing to say, okay, God, I accept this gift that you're offering to me, and I want to be forgiven, and I know Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, and he offers to me forgiveness. And we begin a life in him. And verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than someone watching for the morning, more than someone watching for the morning. Verse 7, take out Israel and put your name in there, unless your name's Israel. Um, Put your name in there. Oh, Jason, that's my name. Um, It's not PJ, by the way. Some of y'all are like, wait, I thought your name was PJ. PJ stands for Pastor Jason. So I want to make sure, because sometimes I get called Pastor PJ, which is actually Pastor Pastor Jason. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, Jason, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. 
Here's what he's remembering. There is steadfast love. In other words, there's a love that I cannot make happen, and there's a love that I can't do anything to stop. God loves you regardless of what you have done or not done. God will always love you. Even if you, all the way to the end of your life, reject him, he will still love you. God's love is steadfast, it is everlasting, and with him is plentiful redemption or salvation. He is able to save you from anything and everything. He is able to save you from yourself. He is able to save you from whatever it is that is separating you from him. God is able to overcome any sin. He paid the price of any sin, and his desire is that you would understand there is plentiful salvation in him. And then he gives this promise, he will redeem Jason. Again, put your name in there. He will redeem Jason from all his sins. God can do that. God wants to do that. Are you waiting on him? Are you making room for God in your life? Are you allowing God to work in your life? He wants to work in your life. He wants to be in relationship with you. He does not, now please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying he wants you to be in religion. I'm not saying that he wants you to be a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or join Harvest Time Bible Church. That's not what I'm talking about. None of those things will save you. Only one thing, and that's Jesus. That is it. None of that other stuff, all that other stuff is just religious stuff. And none of it will save you. This church will not save you. I cannot save you. The friend sitting next to you that invited you, it cannot save you. No one can do that except for Jesus. You can't even save you. That's why Jesus did what he did, because you and I cannot do enough good to somehow erase all of the sin in our life. It doesn't happen that way. Jesus paid that penalty. Jesus paid that price so that you can have salvation, so that all of your sins can be set free from. So are, are, have you been making room for God? Have you been waiting on the Lord? That's what we talked about last week. If you don't weren't here last week, you don't remember, whatever, go back and watch it. It's on demand. You can do that. Um, the, the other part of that is we said in waiting on the Lord, it's allowing, remember what Moses said to the people, allow God to fight for you. Do you know God is, is fighting for you right now. The Bible says there is a battle going on in the heavenlies that we cannot see, and it's God fighting for your soul. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And the beauty is, is that at times we get glimpses of God fighting for us here on this earth. This past week, we were praying for Christine Adams. What part you didn't realize and that I honestly didn't realize when we were praying was that she was going to be having surgery, but she could not afterwards have any kind of medicine to help with pain because she, she is allergic to and has allergic reactions to all kinds of pain medicine. I didn't know that. So we've been praying, God, heal, God, work, God, whatever, and then she told me before surgery that, that she could not have any 
pain medicine and, and would we be willing to pray that there would be no pain? And, and here's what's really cool is that ever since she got out of surgery and she's been home now for a couple days, she's had no pain. That, yeah, you can clap for that. That's, that's, that is God fighting for her. That is God, that is her leaving room for God to work. That, that, is, that is letting, that is waiting on the Lord. Now, now, I realize that that may not happen in every single one of our lives, and the reality is God does not promise to work the exact same way in every single one of our lives. But what he does promise is, is that he will fight for you. What he does promise is that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. What he does promise you is that he will give you the strength to face whatever it is that you're going up against. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. So, so remember that and, and be alert to that and realize that even though trouble will come, even though heartache will come, even though stuff is going to happen where it feels like there's no way out, it feels like you cannot see uh, anything, it's just trouble all around you, or you may feel like, you know what, I just get through one thing and bam, something else hits me. Remember that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And so that's why we've been memorizing verses. And so I, I've got some more for you to, to again, and there's going to be another one today. We've already gone through six, and so we're going to say these again out loud together. Let's start with Psalm 46.1. Psalm 46.1 is, God is our refuge and strength, come on, an ever-present help in trouble. Luke 18, verse 27 Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then last week's Psalm 46.10, be still and know that he is God. Listen, God wants you to understand, again, he has been carrying you this far. He is not about to drop you. He's not about to drop you. He's not about to leave you. He's not about to turn his back on you and walk away, even though there are times where it feels like that. There are times where we're not, we don't hear from God. Enter Exodus chapter 14. If you have your Bible, turn there. Exodus chapter 14. The people of God, they have been set free by God from slavery in Egypt. God has set them free. God has been leading them, walking with them, guiding them the entire time. There has been times where God has spoken to Moses, and there have been times where he has not. God leads them to the edge of the Red Sea. And as they're at the edge of the Red Sea and can't buy it, they see a dust cloud coming, and they go to investigate and find out Pharaoh's army is on its way. Pharaoh's entire army, 600 some odd chariots, thousands of troops, 
are coming after them. And so they have trouble on one side because they've got the Red Sea. There's no way for them to go around it. There's no way for them to go through it. There's no way, humanly speaking, that they can move. They have the army of Pharaoh coming at them, and they are trapped. And, 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 and they have cried out to God. Verse 10 says they have cried out to God. Kind of like in Psalm 130, crying out to God, God have mercy on us. Hear our voice. They're crying out to God, and God is silent. God is silent. Aaron always talks about this, that when there's a gap in communication, what we do as human beings, what we do as individuals, is we put our greatest insecurity, we put our greatest insecurity in that gap. And so what do the people of God do? They, the Bible says they are afraid. They fear. Not only fear, but they also start to, to, to give all kinds of frustration and doubt. And, and, and all these things that are placing their, in that gap of communication between them and God, these, these, their greatest insecurities. And you and I do the same thing whether it's with other people or whether it's with God, if there's a gap in communication, we place our greatest insecurity. And a lot of times what we do is we make assumptions and we allow assumptions to be fact when oftentimes our assumptions are not fact at all. And that's the problem that I don't know about you, but I know I have, is that I make, I make a lot of assumptions and I allow those assumptions to be facts. Please do not allow your assumptions to be facts because likely they are not. They're an insecurity. And so the people of God are doing this and they cry out to Moses and then Moses does something in verse 13. He reminds them about who God is. He reminds them to be in prayer and he reminds them to wait. Why? Because he says, here's a reason my friend, even though, even though, yes, you have all the good reasons to be afraid, there are even better reasons for you to remain confident. And I want you to know, Moses is saying to them, I want you to know the one reason is God. See the salvation of God. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord that he is going to bring to you today. God is going to fight for you. And the problem is, is that when we allow our insecurities to be filling the gap, we are, it, it makes it extremely difficult for us to see the salvation of the Lord. It makes it extremely difficult for us to see the hand of God moving. It makes it extremely difficult for us to see God fighting on our behalf. Why? Because our focus is on our insecurities and not on God. Moses is like, fear not, be still, focus on God. Here's how you do it, through prayer, and you do it by waiting on him. Because when we do those things, when we pray, when we seek God, what it does is it brings to the forefront in our minds, and this is so vital, in our minds that are focused beyond what God has shown us before. And that's what makes this statement so powerful. Do not doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Do not doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. He has shown the people of God the salvation of the Lord. He has shown the people of God that he is going to fight for them. 
He's done that through the plagues. If you go back and read earlier in the book of Exodus, you'll see that God's power is on display over and over and over again. And even in this journey in Exodus chapter 14, God has been with them and shown his power to them over and over again. And Moses is saying, listen, you need to focus on that. You need to focus on what God has shown you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness. Yes, the army is coming. Yes, the Red Sea is there. And it looks bleak. Yes, this is true. Yes, these things are happening. But don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Instead, rule number six, obey. Obey. See, oftentimes what we do is we pray and we wait on the Lord and then the Lord speaks and we don't like it. How many of y'all as as a child uh, ever struggled with disobedience? How many of you as an adult struggle with disobedience? Every day in my car. Oh, stepping on some toes now. Yes, sir. Every day. Speed limit is 35 going down through here. 30 at times. Oh, yeah, 30. Thanks. See, correct See, correct me. Now I feel even worse. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, seriously, I struggle with going 30 miles an hour down through here. It is 30 miles an hour down through here. I mean, we even had somebody, we had somebody, I probably shouldn't say this, but oh, well. We had somebody um, message us and say, why do you let police officers sit in your parking lot? You shouldn't do that. I guarantee you that individual got pulled over. I guarantee it. I don't know about y'all, but I struggle still with disobedience. God is calling us. We pray and we wait on the Lord. God says something, and then we have a choice to make. Check out, check out verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? I love that. Why, why are you crying to me? Seriously? I, I just, I can just see. Mm. Anyway, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Let the people of Israel go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. We've read this before. We've heard this before earlier in this chapter. All of his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. All you have to do is obey. All you have to do is move forward. Now, now, I can understand, and maybe some pushback here is, that's nuts what God is telling them to do. You're right. I mean, it's crazy. Like, move forward. Where? And then he says, Moses, stretch out your hand and your staff over the water. I'm, it's going to part, and you're going to walk across on dry ground. Are you serious? You want me to do what, God? Walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. Are you looking at that, that sea right there? And, and, I, and I don't blame them. I don't blame you that if there's times where God says to you something and it seems like it's completely 
off the wall, like no way possible. It likely is because there is no way possible except that it's going to be done by God and not by you. You just have to play your part and obey. Okay, in faith, I'll step forward. In faith, I'll do what you're calling me to do. Why? Because I know that you're a God who is a God of salvation. I know that you're a God who redeems. I know that you're a God of everlasting love. I know that you're a God who's in control. I have seen that in the past. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. If you don't know what else to do, then remember what God has shown you before and obey based off of that. And realize that he's, if he's been carrying you this far, he's not going to drop you now. Obey. James 1, this is our memory verse. Do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Why does James write that? He writes that because it's so easy for us to go, I have heard a word from God. I have read the word of God. I do my devos. I get down on my knees and pray. I have heard the word of God. I have heard God speak to me. God has told me this is that. And, and, and the thing is, what are you doing about it? Because if all you do is listen to God and he says something, or you go to church and you hear something, or you turn on the radio and God speaks to you through a song or whatever, and you do nothing with it, what James is saying is you are deceiving yourself. You cannot just listen to God and then do nothing with it. He actually goes on to say if, you're, if you do that, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He's using sarcasm. He's like, that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Now, you may look in the mirror and go, man, dude, that is, I do not like what I'm looking at. But you don't forget when you walk away. He's saying that, that, that shouldn't even happen. When you hear God speak, you need to obey. Obey. And he goes on later in that same passage, he says, if you do obey, God will bless you in all that you do. So, so obedience is the door to blessing. Obedience is the door to joy. Obedience is the, is the door to seeing the salvation of the Lord. And it's not just limited to these people and us. We see it all through Scripture. All through Scripture, we see example after example of God who fights for someone, reveals the power of himself to them. But over and over and over again, he always calls them to play a part. Always. Noah, build an ark. A what? An ark. Where? This is a desert. Build the ark. What is an ark? It's a ship. It holds things. What do you want to need that for? There's going to be a lot of water. What's water? It hasn't rained yet on the earth. Imagine Noah. Joshua, see that big wall? Go march around it. And then I want you to yell. And then I want you to do it a whole bunch of times on the last day and yell and blow some horns 
and then the wall is going to fall down. What? Huh? And then I, I love the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 7. In Judges chapter 7, Gideon is going up against an army of over several hundred thousand. He has 20, 20 some odd thousand soldiers at his disposal. And God says to him, Gideon, that's too many. I would be right at that moment, if I'm Gideon, going, okay, 20-some thousand versus 200-some thousand. I don't think we're going to win this. And now, God, you're telling me 20-some thousand is too many? Yeah, I'm telling you 20,000 is too many. So tell them that any of them are afraid, that if they're afraid, they can go home. Wow, that's kind of an easy out, isn't it? So what does Gideon do? He gets up before the people and says, hey, if any of you guys are afraid, go ahead and leave. 22,000 of them leave. He's left with 10,000. And then God's like, that's too many. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to tell you which ones I want you to take and which ones I don't. Take them down by the river. They get down by the river. He says, the ones that bend down and, and take the water and sip it, put them to one side, and then it said the others that get down on all fours and lap it up like a dog, and, 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 like a dog, you put them to the other side. And in that passage, it, it tells us, you know how many of the ones that did the dog thing? There was 300 of them. And you know, what, you know which group God chose? The 300. Uh, hey, God. There's 200 and some thousand of them over there and 300. Are you, you sure about that? All Gideon was called to do was to obey. He was not called to understand. He was not called to try to understand what was going to happen. All he was called to do was obey. Joshua or Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary, I mean, the whole situation of, of what's going on with Jesus and Mary and everything. Joseph has dreams where God appears to him through an angel and tells him to do something. And you know what Joseph doesn't do? He doesn't wait. He doesn't try to wrap his mind around all of the ands, ifs, what's, and, and maybes about it. He, the Bible says, he awakens and immediately does what he's told. And one of the things is, I want you to take Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. There's no detail. There, there's no, here's where I want you to go in Egypt. Here's the work I'm going to give you. Here's how long you're staying. He doesn't give him any detail. He just says, get up and go. Someone is going to kill Jesus. They are out to get his life now. And it's not time yet. Go. That's it. Joseph immediately awakens and he goes. Can you imagine if he said no? Can you imagine if Gideon had said no? Can you imagine if the people of God in this moment, and we're going to see them in Exodus, say yes, if they had said no? No, I will not do what you're calling me to do. I, it's ridiculous. I cannot even understand why you would call me to do that. God is not calling you to understand. 
God is calling you to obey. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is such an important verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. What God is calling you to do is trust and obey. That's it. What he's calling the people of God here in Exodus chapter 14 is trust and obey. He says, move forward. Move forward. See, see, here's the thing. Here's the truth that I want you to grab hold of. The consequences of disobedience will far outweigh the costs of obedience. The consequences of disobedience will far outweigh the costs of obedience. Will obedience cost you something? Yes, likely. Yes, it will. But it will cost you far more if you disobey God. If you disobey, think about it in your own life. As a child growing up, if you were in a home where you were disciplined for doing something wrong, I, I was. Man, I'm telling you, it, it always, the consequences of that disobedience were always far outweighing the cost of obedience. Take out the garbage. No. Bad idea. All you had to do was take the garbage out. That's it. Now, now, it, you are not going to like it. There's a story that's told about a warship. It was at sea. It was dark, very, very foggy, very hard to see. All they could see was a light out in the distance. They continued to head towards that light. The light kept getting closer, kept getting closer, kept getting closer. The warship radios and says, this is whatever warship, this is the admiral of the warship, you need to move 10 degrees to the south or we are going to open fire on you. This is a warship, repeating, this is a warship, you need to move 10 degrees to the south or we are going to open fire on you. They continue to move closer and closer to the light, the light continues to get closer to them, they continue to hail this light and they continue to say over and over again this is what's going to happen finally they get they get to a point where it's just about to the last possible second of them being able to turn or the, or the other turning and then one last time the admiral gets over the radio and he is just livid this is a U.S. warship we are going to destroy you a voice comes back. This is a lighthouse. You are about to die if you don't turn your ship. Which one do you think obey? Is it possible that the reason God gives to you something to obey is because he's trying to help you to avoid destruction in your life is it possible that the reason God gives you something and it sounds completely off the wall but he wants you to obey because he has a better way for you than you have for you is it possible that God can see through all the fog 
in the thick darkness of your life, and he sees the beginning and the end, and he has what's best in mind for you, and his desire is to help you and not to harm you. And the reason he gives you something to do is because he wants his best for you. I'm not going to answer that. Because here's what I believe. You can find the answer to that if you read scripture yourself. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. There's your answer. I said I wasn't going to answer. I did. Sort of. I can't make you obey. I don't want to make you obey. God won't even make you obey. Oh, he, he might make life difficult until you obey. But understand that it's not him making it. It's just you making choices. And God's just disciplining you. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. I asked you earlier to pray and ask God, God, speak to my heart. I wonder and follow up, what is he saying to you today? What is God speaking to you today about? And then by way of following that up, are you willing to share that with somebody? Why, why share it with somebody? Because somebody else needs to hear it too. Why, why share it with somebody? Because you're called to go and make disciples. Why share it with somebody? Because as you share it, it becomes cemented in your heart. Someone asks you, well, just close your eyes, bow your head. I don't know your heart. I don't need to. God does. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything about you. Maybe you're here today, and the thing that you're not obeying him about is that you've never put your faith and trust in him. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And the one thing you need to do today, the very first step that you need to take is that. Put your faith and trust in Christ. I'm not talking about starting a religion. I'm talking about starting a relationship. Forget about religion. That, that is not going to save you. It's about Jesus, about relationship with him. Are you willing to start a relationship with Christ? If you're here and you say you have a relationship with Jesus, is he telling you something that you need to obey? Is he directing you in a way that you've been resistant to go? Listen, God loves you and he cares deeply for you. Are you willing to obey him and trust him that he's got this, that he's in control? Worship team, just a little bit, is going to sing a song, a new song that is going to be a theme song for the month of August. and Yeah, August tomorrow. But as you listen to it, I wonder if you'd be willing to make it a prayer for your life, for your heart. God, thanks. Thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the life that you offer to us through Jesus Christ. Help us, first and foremost, to put our faith and trust in Jesus. And then second, not just for that one time, but for all of our life, would you help us to trust you, to obey you, to follow you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son Jesus. In his name I pray.